Welcome to Gamers Galaxy episode 27. I am your host, WT, and today we have a very special guest with a very impressive multi-decade resume in the Web 2 space and currently for the past five years in the Web 3 space. He's the game director of Gods Unchained and Guild of Guardians, which we're going to be talking about today. But before we talk to him, let's talk to my good friend, Rubik. How you doing, brother? I'm good, mate. Good. Very uh, early in the morning for me, so I'm blood's pumping, ready to go, and really excited to, to get uh, into this one. It's uh, one of our both our favourite games we're looking forward to in Web3, being led by Chris Clay, as you said. So uh, welcome to the show, mate. How are you? Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. Uh, it, like you said, it is uh, very early here in Sydney on a Sunday, so uh, just a little bit rough, but uh, doing good on the whole. Awesome, awesome. Uh, yeah, Gilded Guardians, very special to my heart for several reasons. Uh, for many years now, it's, we're going on three years with this with this project game uh, community. Uh, number two flagship game for Immutable, and uh, you've come along and really given us some hope. And uh, boy, I'm super pumped up about this episode. Episode 27, by the way. So, Chris... Um, you clearly take pride in your work. Uh, I, I notice you like to perfect even the smallest details. They just seem to matter to you. And uh, where did that come from? Uh, that comes from being a little bit neurospicy. Uh, and when you've got a hyper focus and a love, it's you really dive into it. And, um, you know, it also comes from just. Uh, I do a lot of it for me and, you know, to, to have it right for me, it's those little details have to be right. I think a lot of it comes to from if there's an impression that all of the little details are right. Uh, I do think it means that, uh, you know, my job as game director is getting done because I can't get every little detail right myself. Uh, it really is helping to like the help from the team to build out those people who get the music right, you know, the art right, the, uh, the engineering right. Um, and when you get all of the right people, you know, really excelling in their own area of expertise, you get it right. That can be hard. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You uh, took over the project of um, GOG about a 12 months ago now there was an announcement that you're going to help and then a couple of months later you took over the project um how much say did you have in that uh decision to transfer the style of game from an arpg and if you're able to go into why that change was um you know what, what was the major reason for that change in direction that'd be great as well i mean wow it's been a it feels way longer than a year. Um, but yeah, that was working with uh, uh, Justin and you know some of the other people on Guild of Guardians at the time and uh, really doing a, a deep dive into where the product was at. So I came over particularly to help with the old core loop, um, basically moment-to-moment -moment play and combat uh, and just 
really monitoring how like my own dopamine levels are changing playing the game is something that I'm really quite good at. And I uh, did a whole bunch of play tests, worked with, uh, you know, former partners trying to improve things. And, you know, some of what the job is, is looking at where you're at, the pace of change, knowing where you need to go and, you know, projecting out what that's like. And uh, one of the, the skills that I have at this point, you know, having been around the block for many years is I just don't have time uh, now to not say it like I see it. And you know, I was talking and I'm like, you know, with what we've got with the pace of change, we're going to ship in probably like five or six years. Um, because we're moving really, really slowly. And to get from where we're at to a game that actually is going to see out in the marketplace, like it's going to take a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that you know, raised some alarm bells. So additional help was brought on. Um, we dove deeper into the code base, which again is something that I can do to an extent, but cannot do completely solely on my own. Um, mm-hmm. And... Uh, you know, basically started to uncover, you know, some of where the bodies lie. And uh, from that, it became clear that uh, if we were going to launch this and run this live, uh, a reboot uh, made the most sense. Uh, At that point, there was no sort of predetermination that like, yes, we're going to reboot it and we're going to change genres or anything like that. Um, At that point, it goes down to science and it was looking at the mobile market as it exists today, looking at where things had consolidated, where they hadn't. Um, and from that, uh, basically we spent you know, a couple of weeks you know, pitching core game loops and uh, the genre and core game loop that everyone agreed had the best shot of you know, sort of shipping uh, on the timeline that we were looking at and being successful in the marketplace is what Guild of Guardians is today. Um, so, you know, did I have the final call? I don't, I don't think so. I think that really was Justin. Um, and even above that, you know, we had to get that approved by, you know, James Robbie and the, uh, the rest of the, the senior executive team. But, um, the pitch definitely came from, you know, me and the design group and, uh, you know, a year on, I absolutely think that was the right call. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, we've. And a lot of that comes down to like running running GOG live right now. Like we are able to update almost everything uh, live uh, with you know backend configuration changes to balance, with you know changes to localization, text, uh, all sorts of images. Like we can do that without having to do a full build, and like rebuilding the game from scratch and being able to be very specific about like hey. These are all the things that we need to do, and having that partner in my letter has even just made like the last week and change since uh, you know the the launch in Canada. Like we've made so many changes, and that's a big part of it too. How, so, um, with regards to the change, was there uh, this ARPG version of the game? Like personally, I wrote a massive like feedback, huge amounts of words criticizing the game and how boring it was. Uh, I actually found it really boring. When everyone else was saying it's so exciting, yeah, it was for five seconds, but then it was just the same thing over and over again and not real skill to it and that. was it, So was it the ship, you said mentioned ship time, but was there any indication that as well that the game wasn't going to be fun long-term? Um, well? well, I mean, <laughs> that's that's the time. Uh, getting an ARPG right takes time. Um, you look at the development cycles, even for 
um, games that are, you know, quote unquote solved like uh, Diablo Immortal. And it takes a lot of time on mobile to develop that and get it feeling right. Um, and, you know, I was definitely in the boat you were at. Uh, one of the things that has really served me well when it comes to game design is that beautiful corner. And it's, you know, at the end of an hour in a playtest, do people want to keep playing or are they done? And with the old Guild of Guardians, it was about 30 to 35 minutes when people were going to, were just, they were just done with playtests. Like they wanted the, the playtest to be over. And that's really concerning. Um, mm. And that can, we, could we have fixed it eventually? Um, anything is possible in games. Um, it's the time that would have taken to get there. Um, and like ARPGs, they have a content challenge too. Um, like even the absolute bestest uh, ARPGs uh, of all time, like you hit that point where you've explored the possibility space. Like you've gotten uh, the best gear. Uh, it's why, you know, like for Diablo, they started going to seasons and basically resetting and starting from scratch mm -hmm. because it's really hard to get an end game together that that works for that. So also looking at just like the longevity of things. Um, just to be honest with you, I uh, bought it. I spent 150 Australian dollars and played it for, forced myself to play it with some of my old Web2 friends and just couldn't get into it because, uh, you know, maybe I may or ARPG'd out. I don't know. We'll find out yeah. about these new ones. One yeah, no, same here with the newest one. It just, it didn't have the magic. And that's from, you know, some of the people who are, you know, the best of the planet on making it. Um, mm -hmm. it. It is really hard to get that right. One of the things that really, I, I wasn't aware of it and that I learned uh, from you and the team was the market share potential of the ARPGs, it's very saturated and hard to gain any market share versus the direction that you're going now with the roguelite uh, RPG. And that made a lot more sense to me, especially in this niche of a space of Web3. You need to go where you have a better chance at, at this time. And also the quality of life aspect of it. That I've always been big on gaming and quality of life. And that's the one, the second thing that's really stuck out to me with uh, the direction that we're going now. And I, I think it's going to matter in the long run. So I uh, wanted to move a, move into some of the, the funner parts of the game here. Um, there's a lot more characters out now than we first started, you know, three years ago. I don't even know all the characters now. I used to know all the characters, but now I don't. Uh, you have a lot more exposure to all the characters. Is there one hero in particular, one guardian that really resonates with you or that you kind of, you know, have a crush on, so to speak? And I'm just curious, which one do you like the most? Um, uh, you can probably see it uh, from, uh, like, if you look at when some of the, the art released, like initially... Uh, I was pretty taken with Leah as a character, mm -hmm. um, and she plays a pretty big role in the rebooted story. Um, you know, in no small small part because of that. Uh, I think the whole team uh, really appreciates Leah. Uh, if I have one character though that I am absolutely just madly in love with right now, it's Oxalis. Um, that's basically Morax's uh, sibling, and. Uh, it just, I mean, it, it, it is just a really, really cute character. 
but uh, like it's one of those where whenever something is coming across my de- desk uh, with Oxalis on it, my day is just a little bit brighter. <laughs> um, so yeah, and then uh, yeah, of the characters that are going to be sort of like releasing that we built for the story, um, I think there's a lot of room uh, with Ashwin uh, to go deeper on the the husbando side of things. But oh wow, cool! It's hard. It's hard to 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 narrow down. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I get it. But uh, yeah, there. I think the, the that's another change from you know the original Guild of Guardians uh, to this one in that uh, there really was no in-game lore or story at all in mm-hmm. the original. Like there, there's always some. Just the mere existence of the characters gives you something. But um, some of what we did before we even made it over to Mindloader was spending time you know, building out the the sort of lore foundation of Guild of Guardians. Because when you have that in place, when you know why the, the world exists, when you know the reason that, you know, commanders exist, like once you build out that matrix, uh, it gives you a consistency and like consistency is actually fairly important um, in making everything make logical sense. So... Hopefully that answers the question. Yeah, that was awesome. I didn't know that. I didn't even know Morix had a sibling at this point, so I learned something new. Today. Yeah, I mean it's 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 kind of <laughs> kind of already spoiled for anyone in Canada. So oh, know. okay, cool. Uh, three being easier, one being the hardest. What is the most challenging to solve? Guilds, pets, ca- or character balance? I would say character balance. Um, there are. A, huge number of guardians now across you know the founders esports and web 2 and game balance is really hard because you <laughs> you can quote unquote solve it by making everyone you know roughly equal but that's not fun uh, part of the joy of game balance is finding those things that are broken in the meta uh, so you can't just have everything be equal. You have to have some inequity in the overall balance, but you can't have things be too unbalanced because then it's broken and not fun uh, if you take it too far. Uh, and my general take after many, many years of doing balance is you can never get balance right. So be wrong uh, in very uh, just methodical ways if you can uh, and choose where you're going to be wrong. Do it knowingly. Um, in terms of Web3, though, guilds and the Web3 economy is also very challenging. Um, there are uh, many masters uh, in that space. Uh, many uh, you know, demands, uh, many promises, and navigating that web uh, successfully is definitely something that uh, has kept me up uh, at night more than once. Yeah, I wanted to ask a question about that but don't see it in our list um how hard has it been to take the promises of a former founder and a former game style and then change the whole genre and then have to try and meet those promises in to, to fit into the new whole new version how easy much easier would it have been to just be able to have make your own promises from scratch from with the new genre yeah i mean uh when 
it's really hard. Um, I mean, there, there's no other way. To, there's no other way to put it. Um, uh, and it's not just a few promises. Um, mm -hmm. There's a lot. Uh, you know, uh, there's so many different masters and so many different calls for attention um, that it is a very tricky web to navigate um, and you know to to make it personal too like I was not on the Guild of Guardians project but I was in the company and there were calls that were made that I had advised you know the opposite of I'm like this is where I would go this is what my experience says and mm -hmm. because it helped in the moment choices were made that I would have not made and it's really hard like psychologically to need to work to fulfill promises that you advised against making <laughs> wow. um uh but uh you know one of the things that uh i feel like i've always been good at is when given a box to play in finding the best path forward within that box um it's one of the joys of game systems design of like when it's wide open and there's nothing it's just like go make a good game i actually kind of hate that <laughs> uh because the possibility space is too huge um you know with the sort of uh web of promises around guild of guardians it was hard it was definitely a challenge but it wasn't impossible um and uh that's part of what's made it fun uh along the way too. I think the harder part of it is there are so many promises that uh, it's easy for them to get lost among everyone who's working on it. And when we have new people come in, making sure they're up to speed. Uh, so I'm often finding that I am catching places where, you know, Mindloader has made a decision, uh, forgetting that, you know, there's a restriction X, Y, or Z. So it's like, hey, I see this in the, the most recent build. We need to roll this back because uh, we have promised we would not do this. And it's just being vigilant. Uh, but yeah, hard. Uh, I have definitely had some people uh, that we were looking to partner with be like, how the hell are you doing this? And I'm like, see all the white hair? That's just that's just the cost. <laughs> <laughs> I'm losing a part of myself doing this. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, and make no mistake, uh, oh. the, the amount of gray that has come in in the last year uh, is impressive. And like some of that is just getting older, but uh, it's a lot. <laughs> well, I think I already know your answer for one of our questions coming down the line, but... Uh... Uh, before we get to that one, so you're, you're talking about these promises that rolls perfectly in this next one. Um, I know you can't give specifics, and I know that it's kind of on the back plate for you guys right now, but is there any kind of uh, importance that you can give to energy boosters or pets? And by importance, I'm not asking for specifically, like, it's going to do X. What I mean is, like, is it going to be, like, a... A niche nice little thing to have or is it going to be something that if you you're going to need it to progress into a higher level or something like that if you can give any indication of that yeah so it's one of those where it can't be required um in my mind because there's just not enough of them in existence um and i think that's been one of the biggest challenge with all the promises and the sort of setup of a lot of the nft sales for um for Guild of Guardians is, 
you know, I, I think a lot of the original approach, like especially in those heady early days of, you know, Web3, and that was still like early days of Web3 gaming, uh, a lot of the assumption was games would succeed just because of Web3 and ownership of assets and that founders could be the landed elite and everyone else would just love the game so much that they would happily be the serfs serving the landed elite. And a lot of like just the distribution of assets uh, is set up for that. And uh, that that makes a good narrative and gives people a good reason to uh, you know purchase NFTs. Uh, but that isn't necessarily fun. And ultimately, games do have to be fun. Uh, there's something that drive you along. So. Uh, that's a lo very long-winded way of saying that when it comes to the energy boosters, it's like, would they be required? And the answer there is no, but are they the more efficient path? Absolutely. So uh, for anybody who's playing in Canada right now, like there's energy potions and you can spend rubies to sort of replenish your energy. So, you know, with uh, an energy token, you can bypass that sort of secondary monetization uh, side of things. But there's other solutions to it. It's not just that you have to have the energy token or there's no other path. Um, like the energy energy right now is not in a place that I'm happy with. Um, so right. I think it's probably one of the, the things that has the most possibility of changing. We may have to do a refactor of how the system uh, works right now. Uh, the, the amount of time of play to energy is wildly... It varies wildly. So it can be, you know... One minute, uh, if you go into a, a, an expert dungeon run and just get stomped, or it can be over an hour right now in Lendless, which is way too long. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, okay. so like with that, with with pets, with energy, like uh, a lot of that philosophy is yeah, the Web three purchases are the optimal path, but not required. Web3 constantly makes me think about this. Um, I was an EverQuest player, showing mm -hmm. my age. Um, and when World of Warcraft came out, it changed the, the MMO world forever. Uh -huh. for, because it used to take grinding to get gear, gear. Some things used to take me over a year to do in the game. Mm -hmm. And World of Warcraft came out and everyone could be the World of... I called it World of Clones. Within within three months, you could have everything, the highest gear, without without even like trying, just turn up sort of thing. And so in that game, EverQuest, people used to come up to me and say, um, you can inspect people and get, be amazed mm -hmm. at, my, at my gear. Um, but when World of Warcraft came out, those players disappeared because they could now be the top guys in, in the, and everyone was the same. There was, they, they, why would they spend, you know, be, be these peons compared to, pe peasants, sorry, compared to, peons the right word for <laughs> pun intended, um, <laughs> you know, when they, when, when they could be the, the lords. And so with Web3, uh, when games make this uh, peons and peasants model with if you own the NFTs, you're, you know, you're, 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 you're sorry, a lord. And if you don't, you're a peon, peasant. You know what I mean? Like, is that been some consideration with, with the design as well? If you know what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, I mean... Definitely trying to avoid uh, creating uh, uh, a bunch of digital serfs. Um, you know, I want uh, I want the game, you know, more than anything else to be fun. Um, and yeah, at the same time, 
there are promises made for you know guilds and uh, i think we need to to stay true to those it's 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 tricky though um uh and you know the some of it is by the very nature like even in everquest um like if you ground long enough anyone could get there uh some of it with web3 is you know the promises made it's like there are only so many leas out there in existence so having one uh will be special um and i think a lot of this does come down to to psychology though in that uh for gamers in general um there's a constant like monitor going on in people's brains while they're playing of effort to reward and uh why people stop playing games in many cases it's when they know exactly the outcome they're going to reach uh if they put in this amount of effort and the effort to sort of outcome balance no longer makes sense um i mean this is like we talk about diablo like when you know that if you run that dungeon you know or that boss like a thousand times eventually you will get that super rare drop um, with the right configuration of stats so you know you can do it you know the possibility exists you know roughly the amount of work it's going to take to get there and you're like i just don't want to do that amount of work and then you drop and you stop mm -hmm. um so some of it is trying to balance it out and like even with our quest like the number of people willing to grind for a year to get that piece of loot relatively small to the number of people who played world of warcraft um and it, it is a trade-off of uh you know, do you have uh, a smaller number of people who are sort of like super deeply committed or do you try and tap into that wider pool and with guild of guardians the goal is definitely to tap into the wider pool right now um but there will will always be that web3 side where uh, if you want to take that next step and dive deeper, uh, you can. Uh, and, you know, this is something that uh, I don't think the Web3 space has solved yet of, like, do we have the right balance of getting there? Um, you know, is, you know, these are, are these open markets going to launch players into new ways of playing or are they going to get the, the the things they want and, like, realize that they're done? Obviously, we want to launch them into that next phase of playing, but uh, more iteration experimentation is definitely needed on that front to know that we've got the balance right. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, you were you, you brought up the guilds aspect that, uh, and I, uh, I, I I listened to you uh, uh, the stream with you and Capone recently, and you were talking about mm. guilds uh, possibly uh, having almost like things that they do together. I don't know if it'd be like achievement style or what, where you you get to a certain level and you get better buffs either it's whether it's crit damage or regular damage or whatever is there any uh any talk or this is just me kind of spitballing here would uh a staking me mechanism ever be in place inside a guild where maybe it's specifically for guild members only to where they can get like specific resources or something like that um i mean i would say plausible mm -hmm. um uh wouldn't you know 100 commit to that being the solve but uh it it is something that uh i've been 
thinking about in terms of you know, just looking at the the math of things and you know staking can be uh, a good way to you help the overall ecosystem uh, sort of put things in in hold um, but it is one of the tools not necessarily the only tool right cool very cool thanks i mean yeah and some of it too is just uh, the the other side of it is um when the economy is up and running we've got a lot of people playing uh you want sinks in the system too and you particularly if people are able to make choices about where they're sinking things like are you sinking um you know to star up your guardians are you sinking to star up your guild like giving people multiple paths and letting them pick the path that they think is best uh, can be good too. So staking plausible, um, but there's more to it than just that. Gotcha. Awesome. What about the promises of, and the design of the original guilds like structure, the different sizes where there's different number of members in it and different percentage of earnings and all that kind of stuff. Is that, been has those promises been going to be being included or has that been able to be scrapped because that to me might have been one of the things you advised against i'd assume because it sounded didn't make sense then so how's how's that decision about those original specifics of each guild type have they been adhered to or are they been revamped um uh, adhered to so far because they're committed uh but potentially something we need to talk uh yeah openly about uh with with token holders um i think it is a challenge that uh will come up once we're in global release of potentially needing to uh, adjust those uh for things to work or add an additional layer you know, into the mix um because there's just there's a very limited number of people who could be in guilds right now Mm -hmm. um, it's something we've talked about many times and it is a problem that if guilds are going to be important, we kind of need to solve. Um, and there are a lot of different ways to go about it. Um, and it is some, some of why I, I'm often cagey when talking about guilds, uh, because it is not solved yet. And uh, I get much more comfortable chatting through systems once we've implemented them and it's up and working. Right. Um, I think it's actually one of the biggest problems with the Web3 space in general is the pattern for years now has been we're going to write a write, write a white paper with uh, all of how the game is going to work and then we'll just implement to that. And I'm like, that's just not how gay development works. <laughs> like, it's just not like, like nobody does that. Like, uh, you know, the, the, like all of my, all of my games that have been the most successful, like you get there through constant iteration of the systems. Um, so this idea that you can peg perfection um, before you've built anything is just kind of boggling to me. Just, just ask Slack. Mm. You know, imagine writing a white paper for the MMO that Slack was making and they ended up coming out with a chat bot. You know, mm -hmm. It's like the founders, gonna, the, the investor is going to be quite upset potentially. Yeah. Um, I think 
I what I would do with uh, with guild tokens is I wouldn't make the guild token the actual guild. Um, everyone has to buy their you know pay with some in-game currency to manage their guild. But guild holders would just stake their guild tokens and would get based on a percentage of those fees would go back to staking rewards. And I don't know if that's a, a financial product that you'd have to avoid or, you know, that's the kind of issue then. Oh, God. Yeah, you are now officially in lawyer's territory. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's There was a... There was a, another thing you were talking about on Capone's that uh, Capone's stream that really caught my ear. I, I'm a I'm a former ten year DJ and I have a love for all kinds of music. And uh, uh, you were talking about bringing in other artists into the game that would add music and you would this would strategically target artists per their community that would fit best with GOG. And I absolutely love that because I love the music changes that you guys made from uh, the past to friends and family. I really noticed it and that was like one of the probably top three things that I loved about the last iteration of it. And specifically, uh, Dead Mouse, he's he was involved with Planko's Block Party. Avenged Sevenfold is involved with the Sandbox game. Are those the kind of artists that you would be, I'm not saying specifically those, but those types that are already Web3 friendly that you would be trying to target for Guild of Gardens potentially? Um, not necessarily those who are already Web3 friendly um i think some of it is uh like looking out and seeing like who in the zeitgeist is uh like on the rise so to speak like who's trending on tiktok with tiktok sounds um who you know is in yeah the right genre of music for us too because just uh we're not we're not pulling uh some forms of music in uh but like i wouldn't say no either um a lot of it would just come down to you know honestly the economics of it like are you going to get somebody in who uh is going to be adding to the ecosystem as a whole but a lot of like looking at that isn't just the, the music in game mm -hmm. um but like how that uh, like branches out like I know it, <laughs> it it's a mini quest it is definitely very much a side goal but like I would love to be able to go to karaoke and sing songs from Guild of Guardians mm -hmm. and like uh, it's it's a side quest it's a side goal it's not a main objective but uh, you know working with artists that um help get things into more popular culture is an edge into growing the product overall. And uh, a lot of it does like these days, the like it's, can you get something trending on you know, like TikTok or Instagram reels right. where people are reusing that sound? They don't even necessarily know where the sound is from, mm -hmm. but that sort of cumulative like exposure makes a big difference. Um, and then when you come across, you know, the, the GOG ad, you're like, wait a second, I know that music. Like all of those opportunities for people to link together uh, these different parts gives you a better chance of, you know, acquiring them, connecting them in. So are you guys, uh, so I'm just going to shoot right off the hip. Are you guys going after Taylor Swift? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just messing man. with you. That chick, mate. 
I'm just messing I mean, with you. <laughs> I mean, if Tay Tay wants to, I'm not gonna say no. <laughs> but uh, when when uh, the tickets to show uh, are where they're at, like somehow I don't think that's gonna happen uh, anytime soon. Yeah, I had, I had a try. I had a try. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I used to live with um, Matthew Heinsen. Um, he's the composer in residence at the Sydney Opera House. He's one of the. There was a five era, like they made a, uh, a world tour on the five eras of um, the classical music composing. And one was Mozart, one was uh, Tchaikovsky. And there's four names that you all know or would have heard of before. And the fifth one was the current era. And he was chosen as the current new modern era. I've got some inside information. He's a massive gamer. I used to live hmm. with him for about a year. He, he His dream is to make music, compose music for games. So if you want to... You know, get some classical music in there, you know, and it's his songs are called things like Homage to Metallica, Speed. It's not it's not what you think it sounds like. Um, every compo every single uh, uh, artist wants to play his music because it's really, really modern, really quick, very different kind of sound. But I went and listened to it. It's quite interesting. So if you ever want to get some classical genius in there, I'll probably be able to hook you up. Yeah, uh, like slide into my DMs for sure. <laughs> cool. Um, what's been harder? Starting Gogs from Unchained, Gods Unchained from scratch, or taking over Guild of Guardians. Well, I mean, even GU wasn't from scratch. Uh, like the Genesis sale had started, a bunch of promises had been made. Uh, there were definitely some moments where I'm like, "You, you said what?" <laughs> <laughs> well, I really didn't um, know this. <laughs> yeah, like, can I move back to America, please? Um, no, the, it, it's very different. Um, both very different. Uh, I think when I look back over the, like this last year and the first year on GU, I think GU was harder um, uh, because just uh, the level of challenge at where Immutable was at. I mean, when I joined, we were about like 15 people. Um, a lot of the devs, you know, uh, were, you know, this was their their first big thing uh, or second big thing um and it was a very junior team overall uh and then working in like very hard blockchain problems of like how do you mint you know almost seven million nfts on eth l1 and make that work um and you know doing a lot of things for the very first time uh so yeah, I do think GU is harder. Uh, going into you know this Guild of Guardians reboot, um, I'm coming in like for myself with a ton of lessons learned, and also coming in with you know working with a bunch of people that I've worked with for a time versus like I'm just starting with. Mm. So uh, I think one of the I'm, I'm just sorry, I'm doing some like introspection while I'm trying to ramble. Uh, but a lot of it does come down to, I think, uh, I have so much more uh, like history with the team uh, that this last year has been a lot easier because it, it really is handing off key bits to people who I know are going to execute um, and that can execute. And that's Mind Loader included. Um, they have been an amazing partner. Yeah, they seem like it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you talk about like that commitment to detail, um, mm -hmm. I've 
I've never worked with an uh, a partner that is so particularly with the visuals, <laughs> just like honed in on refining it. Um, you know, there are definitely parts where we're having to you know, uh, support them, but it is like it goes both ways. There are things where they're supporting us and catching, and there are places where we're supporting and catching, and um, it, it's a really great just relationship overall. I really appreciate them. That's amazing that you're giving out that kind of accolades and praise to them, considering how long you've been doing this for and how many different companies you've been with, successful companies. So to hear that, that gives me a lot of confidence, considering what we've seen in a very short amount of time, because I think a lot of us here we weren't really keen to what goes into this process. And after, you know, three years of being involved of watching from the community side, a lot of us are starting to understand it takes a long time to make games. And there's a lot more to it than most people realize. That being said with mine loader, everything's been going great in a short amount of time. Let's, let's play a little hypothetical here. Um, GOG becomes wildly successful. You get masses amounts of inflow. Your budget's unlimited. What's your next big step for GOG uh, upcoming and then possibly 10 years down the road if, if that was the case? So I think one of the one of the things that uh, there is a lot of potential for with Guild of Guardians is, you know, cliche wise, like going the typical mobile route of layering in more just fun systems and ways to engage uh so more ways to you know use your guardians more ways to uh you know tackle problems um i think you know it it wouldn't be instant because all of these things take time but you know that's a lot of the goal that I've had with Guild of Guardians, it's getting it to the point where we can you know, really just keep iterating and building and adding um, once the game is live. And that's been the plan from essentially the, the day uh, it was rebooted of get it to the point where it's successful and sustainable and then just keep building. So if it's wildly successful, that just makes it easier. Um, I think some of where that would go, though, is more that like 10 years of if you've got, you know, Guild of Guardians as it exists today on mobile, it's like what do you build next? Um, if we had absolutely massive budget, I might actually break one of my promises, which is I've said I would never work on an MMO again. Um, <laughs> but but, um, like, with with yeah, now I'm like I'm like having internal conflict right now. Um, Chris, like Chris, every, everybody, Chris <laughs> just promised everyone we're gonna get a, a Guild of Guardians MMO. Yeah, I heard. Well, I heard. It. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, definitely no promises there. But it's like, um, some of it is. Uh, with with a lot of the characters that we're developing and kind of falling deeper in love with them, it's like 
maybe not an MMORPG, maybe an RPG. Um, but like going into that wider space is something that I would kind of love to do. Um, to tell more of the story of the world we're creating. Um, I think the other thing that I would love to, and like this is just a, a personal love, I love uh, base builder, open world survival. And like in the world of Eldrim, there's also sort of room for that. Um, uh, I don't know that that's the right genre to go into right now as a whole. Um, but man, I would love to make an open world survival base builder game. Cool. Got lots in there. Awesome. So but obviously before we get there, GOG has to be successful. And you said in Capone's interview, there was a little bit of concern about the, the initial hook on some of the players. Um, um, not so much in a, a concern as that's just where the data is showing uh, right now. Um, where, uh, like, we've made so many changes on that front, and a lot of it really is just diving down into the data. Um, you know, we're able to see at every step of the way, like, every... <laughs> we. <laughs> This is one of the beautiful things about data that we did not have uh, in ye olden days uh, working on MMOs. Like, we can see precisely, like, it is at this point uh, in play that, you know, 15% of people churned out of Guild of Guardians uh, in Canada. And um, that is super powerful because it lets you be very targeted in the changes you're making. Um, and, you know, just... Uh, in this last stretch, uh, we just released the first client update um, because some of the changes uh, necessitated uh, that build. Like one of the few things we couldn't change is the opening sequence. Um, and when we launched, uh, every time you launched Guild of Guardians, you had to you know tap through four videos uh, and then uh, passport every time you relaunched uh, Guild of Guardians would require a relogin. Um, and that was leading to basically startup sequences for Guild of Guardians that uh, were taking somewhere in the tune of like 30 seconds, which is a very long time on mobile. Um, yeah. It's a whole lot of opportunity for your brain just to be like, yeah, no, let's go hit TikTok instead. Um, so with this update, uh, after your first boot um, and login, uh, yeah, the videos are gone. We've got loading screens uh, instead with fun facts about the different characters. Um, it takes on my iPhone, it's about 16 seconds now. Um, so it's a bunch faster. It doesn't require the passport relogin. Um, and I can say as a player, it's better for me there. Um, I'm not quite sure how many people uh, that cumulative frustration were turning out, but we're, we're definitely going to get data over uh, the next week. Uh, we're looking to bring in a bigger cohort um, probably on Tuesday. We've got a few bugs we've seen popped up over the weekend that we want to fix first. Um, but like to explain why I'm talking so much about the start sequence, um, there's if you talk about sliders and start sequences, there's a level of just patience that anyone has with the game. And uh, it isn't... Like the part where they churn isn't necessarily always the problem. Some of, some of it is just sort of like cumulative uh, frustration 
where I've had to wait through all of this. Now I'm waiting through clicking through and reading all of this first time user experience tutorial stuff. And now I'm in narrative and I'm clicking through these narrative screens, but narrative is not my thing. And I think some of the hypothesis right now is that there's a cumulative sort of frustration with wait and having to get through things to get to the game. Uh, so we've done a lot of streamlining and uh, moved chunks of extended Fatui where they were taking you through a whole bunch of different learning all at once. And we've spread some of those out. We've shortened others. Uh, we've shortened some of the narrative segments or moved them out later. Um, eliminated a couple where we're seeing higher churn. And we're going to see, like, uh, does remove the, removing and streamlining some of that uh, gameplay experience make a difference? Does it help get people through the first 45 minutes and su sustain? Uh, we won't know until we get some more data and players through. Um, that's sort of where we're at right now. Um, because what we're seeing is, like we had talked about in the Compone uh chat is once we get people past about 45 minutes they're retaining really well and mm -hmm. uh we've hit something that i've I, I went back through my memory banks and i've never hit um in any of my other products uh where we failed to hit our d1 metric but we hit our d7 metric uh we were going for essentially 20 percent d7 retention uh and we're there but we didn't hit d1 um and that's that's pretty strange. Um, it's good because D7 is actually harder than uh, uh, D1 in many ways. Um, and you can do a lot more iterations on D1 than uh, D7. So a very solvable problem. Uh, I think we're going to get there. But it's just going to take sort of uh, science and work to do so. Awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, it's good to hear get that insights to uh, getting some kind of like alpha here. I mean, I'm learning how to be game developers is great chat. Thanks for spending this um, mm -hmm. going into that so detailed with uh, with these answers so far. That's been really great for me. Personally. Yeah, thanks. I haven't been able to play because I'm not in Canada, unfortunately. Uh, I did get to watch uh, a couple hours today of, of uh, a streamer named Whale Shark and watching him play, mm -hmm. and I could definitely see the improvements. And I was thinking about it the whole time about the hook issue that you were talking about. And I, I wasn't really seeing it, but also I'm Web3 hardcore, and I was just kind of curious that, like, I wonder if these are non-Web3 crypto natives that were not really sinking in, but I think you guys are going to get it. I, I have utmost confidence you are, and I, I can see the progress, so I'm not really too worried about it, to be honest with you. I know you are, yeah, and, but I think you're going to get well, it. Well, yeah, and, like, that that's the goal. Like, we are we're targeting cohorts of people who are... Uh, non-Web3 native, mm -hmm. like, um, because we we need to be able to break into Web2 uh, to you know, hit the numbers that we want. So, um, yeah, working on it. Awesome. I wanted to ask and yeah, you I'm not, not stressed part. about it. Definitely not stressed. Like, uh, it's, <laughs> it's one of those things that uh, we're definitely focused on, but it's not at, like, that, like, uh, like, all of the things that I see right now are very solvable problems. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it's sort of just working the problem. Yeah, you're not stressed. You you're just fine-tuning, man. That's all. That's mm -hmm. all. <laughs> Have you been able to de determine who are Web3 natives and who are not in the players? Or is it that's not possible to, to actually see in the data? Uh, I mean, some of it is just... Um, uh, 
you can <laughs> you, you can see a lot by uh, things like who's making a passport uh, versus those who already had passports in place. Uh. Um, so, like there there are some indicators there. Uh, we'll definitely be able to sink in more uh, once you know people are you know, done migrating um, to see like who truly was like a founder versus otherwise. Um, like you can't know for a hundred percent sure that these people had no exposure to Web three, um, but some of it is just like the channels that they're coming in. Like, are they coming in organic or are they coming in through uh, some of the paid ads where? We, we know we're kind of pulling these people in through like that that paid acquisition flow. Uh, the paid acquisition flow, the chance that they're going to be Web3 is smaller for sure. But it's not completely clean, I would say. I know we've been uh, throwing you some curveballs and stuff. How's the juices flowing so far? I'm doing good. Okay. All right. Let's continue on. I, I wanted to ask you about Immutable. Um, obviously, you work there. Uh, coming from your, your vast background in Web2 and all the success that you've had, uh, how would you compare Immutable's business model to the traditional gaming companies that you came from? Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> it's different. Um, you know, <laughs> in some cases, like wildly different. Um, I think, you know, one of the things that has me the most bullish on Immutable is uh, I really want to be the the infrastructure that drives these ecosystems uh, and i want to solve the problems that lets people uh you know thrive in this web3 ecosystem and it's the first company that i've been uh, a part of that is really trying to you know build that foundational tech um i think of a lot of the ways i described it in the early days it's it's like it, i imagine it would be like uh, working at Valve when they were working on Steam mm. where not only are you aiming to make great games but we're going to build this platform that makes it easier for everyone to distribute uh, their content and uh, yeah when I look at Immutable it's like uh, back when Steam was being created like that, that was a completely unsolved problem um, and you know, Web3 today, I st still think is an unsolved problem. Like we're starting to make progress on it. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, like getting to be a part of, and like, <laughs> if you want to talk about challenge too, it's like across Gods Unchained and Guild of Guardians, uh, you know, the, the teams I'm working with, we're often the first to use the tech. Um, so, you know, when it comes to using Passport, um, even just for sign-in, like we're getting a lot of the first crack so that we can make it better before it gets to any of our partner games. Um, and that gives a whole nother layer to all the work we're doing. Like it's not just for Guild of Guardians, it's not just for Gods Unchained, but it's serving the whole immutable ecosystem. Yes. And if you talk about like something that drives you forward, cause like working in games and tech and just web three is really hard. Like on any given day, the number of decisions that like somebody like myself is making, the amount of feedback you're looking at, uh, the challenges you're looking at, like it's intense. Like my days are very intense. And like what makes it worth it is not just serving uh, 
Guild of Guardians and the Guild of Guardians community, not just helping Gods Unchained and Gods Unchained's community, but like being able to like help improve an overall ecosystem. If like you got a reason to get up in the morning, that's a huge one. Like it's yeah, and you get to watch it evolve. It's motivating. You get to yeah. watch it evolve. That's got to be awesome. Yeah, and like it, you know, it's like building a, like a builder gets to build a house, and at the end of the day, look, there's my house. And, you know, that's the same with all software development roles. But when you're building something like what well, you're building, like something on the scale of Immutable's infrastructure, it's going to transform potentially a whole a billion, a, a, you know, multi potentially a future trillion dollar industry. You know, it, it, it's got to feel rewarding as well. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, and knowing that when we address a problem, that uh, that problem is addressed like not just for guild of guardians but like for all other people in the immutable ecosystem um it, it it's really really good <laughs> so this you don't have to answer this question but it's like we're just robbie's kind of like I see him as like a very, like I said it years ago, I reckon he's a genius and it's kind of coming out that a few little things here and there pointing out that he's quite a smart guy. What What is it, is Robbie's persona that he puts in the in the interviews the same as, it, you know, in the workplace? Is there any insights you can give us to Robbie, um, you know, which isn't too personal about what it's like working with Robbie? I mean, uh, I think the thing I would say is what, what you see with Robbie is what you get. Like he... Part of his superpower is his gift of gab and um, you know, being able to take a people on a journey and show them how it could work. Like they're like completely unequivocally. I would not be at Immutable today if it wasn't for Robbie. Um, he was the first person who sold me on the dream of what they were doing. Um, and you know, with the brothers, with Robbie and James, they're two very different people, but, you know, their powers combined is impressive. And, uh, you know, they both took me on a journey of what it could be. And I think that's some of what it is, um, whether they're talking with, you know, individuals looking to bring them onto the team or with partners or the wider ecosystem, it's that ability to take you on a narrative that helps you see where it can go. Um, and yeah, I, I think in my experience, having worked with Robbie and James now for God, uh, we're coming up on five years, mm -hmm. five years in July. Um, it is, you know, what you see is what you get. Um, there's not like public facing uh, Robbie and then Robbie in the office, like Robbie's kind of Robbie. And uh, a lot of it is because, you know, you can sort of just have that unfiltered uh, authenticity. Like, it, it, it sells. And it works. I got uh, What's James like? Obviously, he used to text, uh, tweet back in um, when Etherbot days. So, mm -hmm. five years ago, and then all of a sudden, it just went, he went radio silence and social. So, he's a little bit of an enigma, you know? What, yeah. What, what I... did you want to add, WT? I, I I picture I picture James because I've I've never seen him on the stage. I don't know if Robbie just likes hogging all the stage time, and I'm just joking. But like I picture James in the background, like pouring the chemicals in the in the beakers back and forth, and making all the magic happen with the spoggles on or something. Uh, <laughs> what's he like? Um. So I think if you if you've got the person with the goggles, that's more Alex Connolly. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but. 
some of it is like in the balance of things like james is the the somewhat more like measured practical one so you know he's the one working with you know the lawyers and the spreadsheets uh and the maths to ah. bring it all together um so yeah, sure. like they balance, like the, the the three of them all together, uh, there's a really good balance of things. Uh, you know, James also has done, uh, not so much these days, but in the past, you know, a chunk of the, the coding work too. So, um, oh, he's a developer. Yeah, he, oh, yeah. he can do, he can do a mix of different things. Um, yeah, and that sort of s diversity of, uh, of skill really comes through and yeah, he can dive into the different bits too. Like we can talk uh economy we can talk coding uh we can talk game um you know he he's got a, a breadth of mix but uh they're they're all amazing uh teammates to have in play for sure very, very cool like a good balance yeah yeah we got two uh we got two community questions here that we took from uh some people in the guild of guardians community the first mm. one's from sanjiro he would like to know in regards to lore recently that's been talked about, is there any plans or possibilities to incorporate recipes or uh, to incorporate, is there any plans to incorporate the lore into the recipe or resources? Kind of like a choose your own adventure where your path may lead you to crafting different sets of items based upon your decisions. And he gave an example, like if you want to level up mages, you would target items for those mages. Hmm. So, uh, I'm going to dodge the question slightly and take it on a tact, uh, where I would say, um, I've talked a little bit about the altar, um, and its possibility space, which I'm really excited for, but like, that's part of why I wanted to build the altar of uh, opening up the potential for lore to matter in sort of crafting in a way that we could organically change rather quickly. Um, when it comes to like inside of Guild of Guardians itself, um, probably less so. Um, in the in like the, the specific context they're describing, gotcha. but yeah, like if there are sort of lore connections. Like the altar is where I would see the most crafting possibility space right now. Okay. More on this altar soon, huh? Um, when are we going to find out about this altar? Like, actually, the full is that with DK EVM launch? Is that post that launch or? Um, uh... <laughs> As I would always say, it's like once I've actually successfully um, used it and uh, everything, I'm, I'm a lot more confident. Um, but the, like in, in grand timelines, I think the altar has potential to, uh, launch before Guild of Guardians itself. Um, mm. they're sort of on two separate dev teams at the moment. Um, and I think we all want to start, uh, playing in the web three space a little bit more. We've been very web two focused, um, Guild of Guardians for a while. Um, but like soon trademark, um, <laughs> uh, and yeah, I, I think 
you know, as that launches, a lot of it is just going to come down to you know, experimentation. Um, I think some of what like I've looked at just in you know, like the last almost five years, uh, iterations have always been quite uh, pricey in the Web3 space. Experimentation has almost always been quite pricey, uh, both in time uh, and resources. And, you know, with both Guild of Guardians, the game and like the altar, a lot of the focus in my pitches for them uh, were just our ability to iterate quickly and uh, take take some of the engineering out of the mix wherever possible. And I think that's what we're going to have for the altar. But uh, we shall see. Awesome. Yeah, we got one more question from the community and then we're going to do our, our fun our fun spot to get you out of here because I know you've been gracious enough to give us all time. So this question is from Firebolt. Um, with all the gaming experience that you have over the last couple decades, what makes Guild of Guardians different from... Is there anything in Guild of Guardians that stands out from the other games that you've done? Hmm. I mean... I'm going to talk a little bit about similarities. So um, any game that I've worked on, uh, there, there's there been <laughs> a list of, of like just the requirements. Um, even like Magic the Gathering Arena, like there are a whole bunch of things that had to be true that sort of uh, keep you on a path. Um, I think... The biggest standout, honestly, for Guild of Guardians is typically more things go wrong in game development. Um, like, really, one of the standouts since the reboot of Guild of Guardians is how many times I feel like the, the team has rolled a natural 20 um, nice. as we've gone through different stages. Mm -hmm. um, you know, through a beautiful corner, through friends and family. Uh, like doing all of what we did in the time frame, like is really, really challenging to get right. Like we really needed uh, things to fall into place, um, kind of perfectly uh, to to have uh, the timeline work. Um, I think the first time you know where we we've, we've stumbled at all has been with uh, this regional launch, and even then, it's not. Uh, a big one definitely not a not that one um but yeah like consistently like things have just kind of worked um and that really does stand out um usually in projects i've worked on like there's some critical thing that's gonna require a big refactor um and like the the one that i was the most worried about is even when uh, the like there was a, a, a marked improvement. So like in Beautiful Corner and Friends and Family, uh, if you lost focus on the app, uh, you had to kind of like re-log in altogether and it sucked. Um, with the launch in Canada, we got that down to you had to click a retry button. Uh, and then a week after that, uh, now like there's no buttons to click. Uh, you might see a reconnect spin for a little bit. But like that was actually one of the systems I was the most concerned about having to do like a full rebuild on. Um, but even that one, like we were able to with the mine layer team get it through to uh, working as I had hoped, 
and like just so many things have just kind of gone right um it's been really nice awesome awesome i know we've asked you a ton of tough questions here and again i appreciate you uh hanging with us uh we're gonna have a little fun now uh you ready for it we're gonna ask you 10 questions and uh you just give us your best one word answer and we just uh, let's go okay all right i'll try not to overthink it no that's fine it's fine all right do you prefer to watch sports or esports like streaming uh, esports. Okay. Do you prefer to play sports or video games? Ooh. Uh, video games. All right. What's your favorite video game? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um, right now. What right now? What's your favorite? Oh, right now. Uh, Dalheim. Okay. Do you prefer Messi or Ronaldo? Um, Messi. Okay. I, I, can't, I think I know the next one to this one, but I'll try anyway. Xbox, Nintendo, PlayStation, or PC? PC. <laughs> PC must race. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. All right. <laughs> Books or movies? Oof. Books. What is your favorite book, either currently or all time? Your pick. Okay, this is not going to be a one-word answer. Um, <laughs> That's fine. Uh, but uh, Watership Down. Hmm. Um, it's it's an old book, um, and in some ways not my favorite book, but it's a book that I've uh, reread uh, at least once a year for probably about 30 years now. Um, and one of the reasons it's my favorite book is it is a book that when I read it, it lets me do like an emotional like reset and reboot. Uh, and that's a powerful thing um, because it takes me back to a very good, uh, secure, safe place in myself. So there's okay. a long answer one. Awesome. Very awesome. Ferrari or Lamborghini? Ferrari. Okay. What is your favorite ice cream flavor? Hmm. Raspberry? Okay. I don't think we've heard that one before. No, that's a new one. Yeah, that's a good one, though. I like it. All right, this next one. This is probably our most famous, our most fun, and infamous at the same time. Uh, we would love to hear your answer to it. If you want to give it, uh, Rubik, you got your hands over your mouth. Yes, I'm gonna keep my okay. mouth shut. <laughs> All right, one word to describe Elon Musk. <laughs> that, that's the answer. That's fine. <laughs> uh, wow. Uh, let me think. That why was not the the. Um... Napoleon. Okay. Okay. Oh, that's an interesting one. Okay. Very diplomatic. Yeah. All right. There's probably some. There's probably some hidden um, undertones that I didn't there, catch there, in that. Yeah. In that. Yep. <laughs> yep. I'm assuming the small man syndrome sort of thing. Maybe. Mm -hmm. uh, you uh -oh. said it, not me. Uh oh. Uh oh. <laughs> yeah. Rubik, be careful. Be careful. All right. Ask, ask the next question. Last one. Last one. <laughs> Video game that popped your cherry. 
that really um, got you into gaming like that set the tone for you that, you know? that was the one that, that was the one uh, the first. Uh, oh, oh gosh um there's zach song zach song huh is so the Zaxxon was an arcade game. It was not the first game I played, but it was one of the first games I got obsessed with. Yeah. That's uh, the other game that I would say is on PC, Railroad Tycoon. Oh, uh, okay. Me and my friend were obsessed with Railroad Tycoon uh, back in the day. Awesome. That was great, man. You did a great job. I That was probably one of our funner ones. I like that one a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, the, the Elon question's a doozy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, uh, <laughs> it kind of gives a lot away about people, too. Yeah. If they, they don't realize it. That it's, um, you know, it gives a it – tell, it goes into people's souls and because <laughs> of, of the polarizing nature of him, you yep. know, and the – you know, you can't deny that he's achieved a lot, but also he's done things that piss a lot of people off. So it's just such a great question. It kind of gives gives you a you know an insight to people's and how they I mean, work. it's why I went with Napoleon. Like he did some amazing answer. things. That's but, a different yeah. one. We haven't heard that one, and yeah. I actually like that yeah. answer. That was pretty cool. So, uh, Chris, is there anything else that we missed that you want to add or that you want to say as we wrap this up here today? Um. Yeah. My, my mind is a little bit blank after the Elon question. <laughs> um, uh, yes, we, we, the juices are flowing and now it's strange. We broke Chris. Yeah. We broke him. Yeah, no, like, uh, I think uh, I'll, I'll use the opportunity to, to wax uh, a little bit poetic um, because I think you guys alluded to it too. Um, uh, it's been a pretty amazing year. Um, we're not quite to the point where we're a year since uh, uh, we signed with Mindloader, but uh, it has been uh, a really fascinating year of development. And uh, I think, you know, one of the things that I had hoped for uh, was the, even though when I had that first, uh, you know, catch up uh, town hall after the, the reboot, like I knew 100% that that was not going to be something the community was uh, behind. Um, like, I'm really excited for what the next year has to come. Now that, uh, you know, a lot of people have uh, sort of come around. Uh, and some of that has been trying to take people on the journey with us as we go. Of, like, being clear of why we did the things we did and why we made the decisions we made. Um... And ultimately, it's going to be, uh, you know, getting through to global launch and hopefully having this thing be wildly successful. Uh, you know, I know enough about games that uh, even if you've got a good product, it doesn't always mean it'll hit. A lot of it is going to come down to can we get Guild of Guardians into the wider zeitgeist and get people talking about it? Um, can we get it to go, you know, just a little bit viral? And... You know, all of us have a part to play in that. Uh, thank you so much for hosting the podcast and having me on. Uh, every little bit of content uh, has a chance of, you know, uh, breaking 
breaking through. Maybe it's going to be the Elon question. Maybe that's the thing who does it. Who knows? Like if anything in this uh, podcast does it, it's going to be that one that gives me in trouble. Um, but uh, yeah, no, uh, you know, I appreciate you both uh, in that journey. You've definitely been uh, uh, a pair that I've watched and have appreciated some of the turnaround <laughs> uh, on that sentiment. Um, but yeah, thank you so much uh, for having patience as we've gone through all this. Rubik? Yeah, I've, I've seen the community term. We're in another community outside of Gamers Galaxy as well together where we met and um, based, a lot of Guild of Guardians people and we've seen the sentiment from when you took over from most of those turn into a positive. Um, there's a few people that are, are never never Trumpers or never, yeah. never Goggins anymore. Um, but the, it's, you know, like you're just not, never going to win all those over, mate. It's just, it's just human nature. We're different in every way and... Some people have raised with different values and different ways of thinking, and you cannot win the, everyone over. And there's always going to be toxicity. So, but I think you've you personally have I've seen you grow as well. From I thought you were very stressed out when you first took this role on, and you've really relaxed. Oh yeah, I definitely was stressed yeah. out. Are you kidding no, me? I bet you were. <laughs> I, bet you, I bet you, mate. I bet you. We, but we understood that. Yeah, we like WT and understood that the the sheer challenge you took on was unbelievably difficult and you've what i wanted to get to was you've turned it around you've done that already no matter how successful the game is for me i've enjoyed watching your, your journey of turning this game around it turned i'm an ai pg player and uh, not a auto battler and i was addicted as hell to the game i literally didn't get a vpn for the game in Canada, because I've got so much to do right now with a two-month-old baby, <laughs> I, I don't want to get addicted again, and so yeah. I, that's the only reason I didn't play it. So you, you know, just know for every toxic person out there, there's ten at least people that are backers of you now. No, oh, well, thank you, and uh, yeah, I mean, just alongside it in my personal life, uh, like uh, it's been a a heck of a year for me. Um, uh, I've always been a pretty anxious person, and a lot of what drove me uh, for a good chunk of my career was just anxiety. And uh, yeah, in the last two years in particular, I've just gone through a lot of personal growth and uh, kind of approaching it day by day, uh, seeking the joy in things. And it's a very different driver um, going for joy versus being fearful and uh, losing a lot of that fear uh, has helped, you know, me immensely. And I think it's made me a better, you know, game director overall. Uh, and it's let me sort of lead the team through a lot of scary things. Uh, and doesn't mean that the, the anxiety doesn't peak at times, but uh, uh, it's made a pretty big difference. And, you know, the Guild of Guardians experience too is something that I'm going to be able to carry forward into the future. Um, and it has made me a better person. So... You know, however this goes, I am eternally grateful to Gog and the God community um, because it's made me a better person, better human being. Yeah, man, you kind of choked me up here. Uh, I know what you're talking about. I, I go through some of those anxiety problems myself, so mm. I, I know what you're talking about. But uh, I want to thank you for coming on the show today. Um, honestly, personally, for me, uh, I put my heart and soul into the GOG back when we started on March 3rd of 2021 in the Discord and. Uh, to watch what you've done here in a short amount of time, considering all the challenging promises that you've had to endure and all the other stuff that goes along with it, it's been absolutely amazing. And uh, I wanted to take this time publicly to apologize to you 
Um, I didn't come at you much, but like the first day that you had taken over in Discord, I was really, really upset uh, due to the esports sale and some of the broken promises. And then also the the, the transition to Mineloader, it was a complete turnaround from what we had been told for over two years. And I, uh, I asked you, I remember asking you, you know, when, what is going on with the continued uh, abuse of this community's good faith? And uh, it wasn't really directed at you because of what you had done. It's just you were the boss. And I was really upset at the time and I let my anger get out of control. And I didn't mean to. It's just I really took it personal uh, because I was so invested into the community that I felt like the whole community had been let down. And uh, to watch what you've done, I, I, I can't even believe it. I, I went silent for a while and I haven't been as invested in the community because... I had nothing left. I had nothing left to give, mm. and anything I gave would have been toxic. So I just stayed away and just watched from afar. And uh, you've brought me back in. You've given me some hope, and uh, I got some stuff coming. I got your back, Chris, and we're going to – I've talked to Cyrus. He's coming back, and we're going to do what we can to push this product and make this thing work, man. Everything yeah. Cyrus, Chris? I don't do, think do. so. Oh mate, you, you, wait, oh, he, he's, the, he's the he's the infernal swordsman. He's the infernal swordsman. He's 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 the I coolest miss, man. Him and I talk all the time. I miss Cyrus. He's Sars, my number one time. fan too. So anyway, well, Chris, like like oh. just to val validate really quick, um, like uh, thank you, uh, uh, I appreciate it, uh, but yeah, uh, I understand too, and um, I knew that it was going to be one of the hardest uh, parts of the transition for the community because yeah, you know, my approach to being a community leader is to uh, be as transparent as I possibly can. And that often means disappointing people. And, you know, nobody wants to disappoint people, but uh, the, the, the flip side of it is sort of like this uh, toxic empathy where you don't want to, you know, hurt people's feelings. So you just kind of keep feeding them what they want to hear. Exactly. And um, like transitioning from, I think a place where um, it was more in that sort of ruinous empathy, empathy side of things to, um, you know, being, you know, pretty, pretty blunt about the, the situation. Uh, it's, it's hard, um, but you know, my experience there is even though it's harder, um, on the whole, it lets you, you know, build up, you know, that trust. Um, and yeah, I have not delivered on everything yet. I still have, uh, work to do with the team. Um, but we're going to do what we can to keep, uh, building that up. Uh, to look forward to the next, uh, stretch with you. It's going to be interesting. Awesome. All right, and Chris. exciting. <laughs> That's going to be a long podcast. Yeah. We've been talking for a while. Yeah. Well, we appreciate it, and we know you you got to get going, so uh, we thank you again. Yep, I'm going to go get myself coffee and brekkie. Have a great so, day. Have a coffee as well. Take care. Yep, yeah. bye.